0: It's not, uh, As one preacher was saying, you don't hear too many sermons on the sovereignty of God because uh, anybody that acknowledges God, that God should be sovereign except, you know, unless you're a polytheist, and that way you have many of God's, and you hear God addressing throughout Isaiah, and I told you in the last, maybe chapter 40 through chapter 48, uh his sovereignty in other words that he did it all by himself that he created everything by himself and he's done it all uh with that and god promoting his sovereignty and directing us to his sovereignty what we need to do as we accept it as children of god once we accept through faith once we have that born again nature with residing in us that points us to God's sovereignty, to be able to understand the scriptures as Job did, as Job was a perfect and upright man, living, it says perfect and upright, but there were some things lacking in his life that the magnitude of God's sovereignty may not have been as illuminated as it should be. As we receive that illumination and, and on to us and whom the ends of the world has fallen upon us, we should be the sons of God bringing forth the kingdom at this time. Where the kingdom we know, I had a Jehovah Witness, one of my wife's relatives is a Jehovah Witness, and always uh, talking about the kingdom of God. But you have to have a way to get to that kingdom. You have to have a vehicle, a modus, to get into the kingdom. And that vehicle has to be Jesus Christ. As long as they're acknowledging and talking about Jehovah and Jehovah's kingdom, they're not realizing that that Jehovah is one in Christ Jesus. And he turned everything over to Jesus In other words, Jesus is the representative of all that is. He is the creator, and that's the glory that God has given him. Jehovah the Father, had it pleased him that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell bodily in Jesus Christ, who have shape, form, and image, and the like. That's why he says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, the Jehovah Witnesses, those that are within that denomination, that God calls out of it, because you have many a schisms and denominations that that allow doctrine, a false or twisted doctrine, to prevail, and that's a problem when that's not by knowledge. In other words, you have knowledge, teaching, or doctrine. But it's not by knowledge. That's where the Jews' mistake is—to have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And it says His people perish for the lack of knowledge. So that's what we have to do: get into a relationship of knowing God. Yes. To know God, to know God, and to have faith and trust in Him. As I said, in this last days. Trusting in God's sovereignty and living every day by faith, because first point is that He is the Creator. God is created, He's Father of all. All souls belong to Him. But in that we see where God says He created the heavens and the earth. He said, verse twelve uh, of chapter forty-five of Isaiah he says. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts. I have commanded. Surely, throughout this and its verses, countless to number, that He had pointed creation to Him and that He did it all what by Himself. He keeps stating that over and over the theme is He done it all by Himself. But well, we see Jesus is the creator God. Mm. See, now with Jehovah's Witnesses, that would put them at a variance if they're not seeing that God had given Jesus a name above every name. Yes, Jesus is the creator God, and without whom, there would be nothing. Without Jesus, it wouldn't be anything. So, let's we know how Genesis reads, the book of Genesis, the creation account reads, but if we go to the New Testament and read the, that account, it, it's parallel to that account in Genesis, John 1, 1 through 3. It reads a lot like Genesis 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Yes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Yes. That Word was with God. And the Word was God. Synonymous. They was the same thing. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So there's no contradiction in Scripture if Jesus is that same God that did that creating in Genesis, and we know that Jesus is not Jehovah, that Jehovah is God the Father. Jesus is, has that name of Jesus. That's where the glory of the Godhead resides. So John tells us all things were made by him. Jesus, the word, was the Father's agent for creation of the universe. In other words, remember I told you Satan is an instrument in God's hand. Well, Jesus was this instrument of the agent of creation of the universe in the beginning. In the book of Psalms, the psalmist wrote in Psalms 33 and 6, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts, that is, the angels of them, by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 says, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. It came into being, and there it was. Yes, it says, Jesus spoke the universe into being, and all things were made from nothing. And, you know, it wasn't a Big Bang Theory. It was God speaking things into existence. Science may explain it with another concept or whatever. But there's no Big Bang Theory as such, to name it, that it just imploded from nothing. That nothing that it imploded was, that was it was Jesus speaking it into existence as God spoke and it came into existence from nothing. So it came forth from Jesus. That instrument was Jesus, that whereby the world came into existence. Christ now upholds all things by the word of his power, everything is held together. By that word of his power, we see when he rose from the dead, he says, All power in heaven and earth has been given unto him. So everything is held together by that power that's in Jesus Christ. Let's look at the scriptures, Hebrews 1 and 3. It says in the King James Version, it reads, this is a condensed, this is King James, says, who being the brightness of his glory, of God's glory, and the express image of his person, of God's image. But this is Jesus it's talking about. And upholding all things by the word of his power, of Jesus' power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sit down at the right hand of majesty on high. In other words, this is complete. When someone sits down, they're finished working. He sat down and was a symbol of authority. He had purged our sins. He had accomplished the work that was to be done in our salvation, purging our sins. It's a completion. Now let's read that in Amplified to put a little bit more meat on the skeletons. The sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of God our awesome God that is Jesus Christ. He's the express image, the reflection. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus says. Yes. yes. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the the divine of Jesus Christ. He was the light of the world. Mm -hmm. He was the light from God. And the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. The essence of God. You remember I told you, essence is what something consists of or what it is. The essence of something, it's the the marrow of it, it's the being of that, what it is. It says, and the essence, upholding and maintaining. And last week in the teaching, I told you that God... Performs the maintenance of his universe that God is directing in all nations, God is doing all things he's not an absentee landlord, he's not as the deist as george Washington, Thomas Jefferson, a lot of the founding fathers present him as a deist, in other words, he create that they believe in God that he created the earth, but that he had left it to its own existence, and what came forth is what comes forth. But we see God, if we see the sovereigns of God, we see God performing the maintenance of the earth. In other words, he's there. Some things that he directs for his purposes and everything. But God hasn't lost control by being sovereign. He still doeth yet work. Jesus said the Father doeth yet work. We see that. He maintaining and propelling all the things, that is, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by his powerful word, that is carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. Yes. And I told you, history is linear, it's not circular. We are headed somewhere. He did say that the world should end, and the world order, and the elements of melt with fervent heat. In other words, through all of this chaos, he's bringing us to something. There's a point. And you, you hear him teaching, uh, uh, talking about intelligent design and all this. But what happens is, there's a sovereign, a supreme, a absolute ruler doing all things. Things are not just happening, and things are, don't have just a capricious God working. There is a design. God has a intelligent, he has an end and a predetermined end. That's why he spoke the end from the beginning. Yes. That's why we have prophecy, any works to fulfill or bring forth his work. All of this, if we're children and have that belief in our father, children, especially when they're young or whatever, believe that their father is Superman and he can do all things or whatever. That's why he says we have to become his little children. We have to have that belief in God, that sovereignty of God. Once we get to the point, you know, some people get to the point where they challenge the father, where they challenge the head, where they think that's what Satan did. He says he ascend, would ascend up on high and he'll be as God. We'll never reach that point. That's why he chose Jesus. That's why Jesus is doing all these things, because The Father is greater than him. He said that the Father is greater than I because he was the one that was sent. So he never usurped the place of the Father. And as for the kingdom, he's going to deliver up the kingdom to the Father once it's complete. His work is complete at the end. But being the author and the finisher of our faith, there's a thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ upon this human earth, upon this earth whereby the human race, the people of the earth, under the Davidic covenant, where the ones that are his chosen church, his people that are ruling and reigning with Christ, the priesthood, the royal priesthood, those that are ruling and reigning by the word of God, the church, the chosen ones. That's why I said this goes much farther than we can understand and some of us not understanding the church, some of us not understanding end times and everything, we think we have a hold on it, but we, as those realize that they don't, the problem is that they're not studying enough and that sometimes that brings chaos to the body of Christ, and we believe preachings or teachings or things that divide the church, that causes divisions, and... We shouldn't do that. But let me finish that verse. It's it's bringing it to its predetermined goal. He says, we, when he himself and the other had by offering himself on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sins and established our freedom from guilt. He himself, he all by himself, he accomplished with salvation of making a people. That's he built the church upon himself. He's that chief cornerstone. He sacrificed himself. He was the lamb of God. You remember I told you that God's still here now. Yes. That's why I say we have to see the sovereignty of God. And God, a person that's strong and have all power, is not worried about you taking over. If you're the man of the house, you don't have to shout down your wife or do all these things with your children or whatever because... You know your power. You know you you rule and have authority there. So the pettiness of them rising up or trying to overtake it or whatever, you're not moved or shaken by that. When we shake our fish that God, this is how big God is. When we shake our fish that God or curse God or say God doesn't exist, that doesn't move him or bother him or change his course of actions. See, because by being all powerful, all omniscient, All present, all knowing, all of these things is part of the equation. That's why I say we have to, if we can start a begin to realize the sovereignty of God and start trusting in it, we'll know that these events and things that are coming to pass, it's all there in God, but through Jesus Christ. It says now he sat down revealing his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing his divine authority. Sit thy at my thine right hand while I made thine enemies thine footstool. Mm-hmm. Jesus had completed his thing. But here is the Father working because the timing of restoration is in the Father's hand. Mm-hmm. See, this is some things God doesn't acquiesce to others are place the others God's sovereign plan. That's what being a sovereign is, the mind of God, This the things of God, he's sovereign over that to be able to give it to another in unison. First Colossians says, All things subsist. Now that's in the Darby version. If you have a Darby version of the Bible, you'll see where it reads, All things subsist. Together in him, that he is in Christ. That's why everybody every we have to abide in him. Yes. Nothing's outside of God. Nothing exists outside of God. But Darby says, subsist. To subsist is different than to exist. Mm-hmm. To subsist is different than to exist. It is, it's different from to having being. Subsisting is different than to have being. And to consist, to consist, to be composed or constituted. Subsist is different from those two. Okay? To subsist or to cohere means to exist together because of a holding center. Just as the spokes of a wheel are held together by the hub at that center of the bicycle wheel, all those sports uh, subsist. It's held together at the center of the wheel by that hub. All those sports go out to the rim, Mm -hmm. so they subsist. And you remember I told you, faith is the substance. So there's an underlying holding together That's only in Christ. All of this abides in Christ. In Genesis it says he created it all. It says the stars. You remember he created the stars. He started time to roll. The, The stars continue their course because he keeps them there. Scripture says that it is God. Let's read Isaiah 40 and 26. Because I said throughout the word of God you'll hear these refrain of voices Testifying to his sovereignty, his creationness, and all things that he had done, but it's Jesus Christ is the acting agent in this that has form, he has form there's no man can see God, but we have seen Jesus Christ yes. they said they have seen and beheld him. Scripture says, by who brings all their host by number, calling them. All by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. And he's talking about the stars, and no one can number the stars. You remember, he told Abraham to go out and number the stars, and there's so many galaxies in us, and all of this out there, and it it's overwhelming. But God testifies to him doing all this, but yet still in the scriptures, this is. Given the glory to Jesus Christ is doing these things, Amen. form, form, having forms. So, notice, I'm I'm trying to point to you to get it in your head: the God that you're serving, your Father is Sovereign, and He had given you Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was given to us, but we have to see that actually, in all actuality. We was given unto him. The Father had gave us to him. We were predetermined in him before the world began. But we're looking at the son was given in the book of Isaiah when it says a child shall be born. That son was given. That was God's son that was given, created with form as a man. He came as a man. He laid his deity aside. He came in the world. He was born as a child. And he was reared, but as a man. So he had form. Yes. Yes. He had form. In John 17 and 24, Jesus said that he was with the Father, and the Father loved him before the foundations of the world. So people are talking about the baby in the manger or whatever, but this incarnate Jesus Christ that came in the form of of a man born in Bethlehem, born as a baby. He said that he was with the Father, according to John 17 and 24, that he was with the Father in the beginning of the world. And notice that he had created the world in the beginning. This same baby that was given. Okay? Yes. So it says, so in our verse, John 1, it says... John 1 and 1, going back there, it says, was, it says, was in and was, that word was, speaks of the eternal to pre-existent word of the word, the pre-existence of the word. Because going back to Moses, when he says, I am that I am, that means he's eternal. He's always existed. He's always existed. So I don't understand Why the people and the scholars don't realize these things when you celebrate a pagan holiday such as Christmas? How are you celebrating the birth of Christ if he says he's sovereign, that he always existed, and that he created the world, and that he was in the beginning with the Father? That the father loved him in the beginning and he was the one who created it all. The son had always been in. Jesus has always been in. How can you give him a birth date of December 25th like every other man? See, that's the problem. We humanize him to the point of being just one of us. And he was the only begotten son of God. That's what is taken from deity is begotten. You can't create deity. Deity is begotten. In other words, he came from God and he went back to God. He was grown when he was taken out of God because deity has no age. It's Ages, it's eternity. Yes. So how can you say deity had a birthday? But going on with your foolishness and celebrate these and say, oh, the baby in the manger have all your manger scenes in everything. You're causing your children to be such right here. The word being itself a name for the second person of the Trinity, who has no beginning and no end, and who came to earth in the form of a man and was called Jesus. John says you should call his name Jesus. No beginning and no end, but we having to accept or make that lie that he has a birthday, that he was born. Okay. Scientists and 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 atheists. This is atheist. Don DeYoung, Young that the anthropic the anthropic principle states that the Earth appears to be carefully designed for the well being of mankind. Now, this is an atheist saying that the word, that the Earth was carefully designed for mankind. Hmm. For instance, he says, any change in the rate of the earth's rotation around the sun or on its axis would be catastrophic. The earth would become either too hot or too cold to support life. This yeah. is what science is saying. Which is right, which is true now. It says, if the moon was slightly closer to the earth, high tides would cover the continents and if it were farther away, there would be no tidal action at all, and everything in the oceans would die. Yes. Yes. We're seeing that God gives man this knowledge and what he's stating is true. I watched Channel 2 News. Josh Eages was saying it shit started raining, and they said it was supposed to start raining around 9. And it did start raining around 90 miles in the different rains. Sometimes they, they, they can't get it perfect, but it gets it close. Sometime that seven-day forecast is pretty close. And without these plannings or warnings, just like they warn about different hurricanes and things, of course we're going to get it wrong. They would be gods if they got it right all the time yeah. and could predict it down to a degree. Yeah. But we see where this knowledge, you remember I told you everything was in Christ. He gives us the ability to sustain ourselves here on earth. So true scientists that are Christians, there are many of Christian scientists, so don't be ignorant along with the people that say, oh, don't take that vaccine, science is trying to do this, or don't do all these things. Uh, You know, some of them really belong in the dark ages or whatever, so we're not looking at all those things. But it says, a tiny change in the composition of gases that make up our atmosphere would be fatal to life with the mixture of the atmosphere, if it was any different, we would die. Oh, yes. If and if the ocean floors were only a few feet deeper than they are, the carbon dioxide and oxygen balance would be upset and no animal or plant life could exist. And the list goes on and on. You know, I'm not conducting a science course this morning, but that list goes on and on. The young also concludes that the way this delicate balance is maintained is, after much study, still a secret of nature. How does this balance? Well, the science says it's a secret of nature, but we know there's a God that's keeping this, that's maintaining this. They say it's a secret of nature, but we know it's God. It's God, and we give God the glory, we give honor and praise. We give thanks to God for all doing all these things. Amen. The book of Romans 1, 20, 22, speaking of our creator says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, those things that are visible, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because all they, though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Uh, you can be educated beyond comprehension. People could say you so smart, you're stupid. you know you, you know that foolishness is beyond your, that wisdom is beyond your comprehension. You know, but any, I don't want to begin an anharm argument about any particular individual or whatever. But according to the book of Romans, God's people know about this creator, even the invisible, and the creation we see God in creation to those that acknowledge God. Some won't acknowledge God or give God the glory or whatever. To some of those, He does turn them over to a reprobate mind because. You're going against created principles of God. But all that's within the sovereignty of God. In other words, sin doesn't exist. When man ate of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and this is a whole other teaching, and I'm going to make this sentence and I won't go too far on it, but sin is a negation, a contradiction, and does not exist. Sin doesn't exist now. God didn't create sin. So, What's happening now and what we're going through is not real. You remember I told you the physical world is not real? Right. Because in the end, when Jesus establishes and delivers up the kingdom, as he establishes the kingdom and in the world to come, and that is when heaven, when the kingdom of God become when heaven become I mean earth become as heaven in the new heavens and the new earth. We won't have that knowledge of sin with, by being obedient to God, yes. and sin will be erased. So you won't remember what has had transpired. In other words, you won't remember the family life that you once had. You, you understand? Yes. You are a new beginning. All things have become new. All things are passed away, so you won't remember sin. Because I said sin is a negation. It doesn't exist. But in the physical world, he created the physical world to form us and shape us, the spiritual man, the spiritual world. In other words, the devil and everything else would be subjected to vanity, to nothingness. Mm. That's why it says you'll be those you never existed. That's why I say that's past the understanding of comprehension to people that just want to come in church and do a few things and still love the world. They don't understand that the ones that's God destroying, all of those little kids that's destroyed little at birth and along the way and all of the people, your brothers and sisters and all those, mm-hmm. they they never was anyhow. Mm-hmm. This was just... A stage where God was forming and creating and making all that would be in the next life. This life wasn't real. This wasn't real. Your mind is what makes it real. That's why he says I'm renewing and transforming your mind in the image and likeness of God because he didn't want us to know good and evil. If we had no knowledge of evil, if we have never partaking of the tree, but God had to use that, he brought, allowed sin to come in to make us. You remember, man was made a little lower than the angels, but the angels were created to serve mankind. Yes. Yes. But human characteristics cause this creation. That's why flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God not the carnal person. That's why the people that they say are carnal Christians or whatever, it's people that are still, you have to beware of those because they are very dangerous. In the church, these are some very dangerous people because they're not pulling off the old man. They don't really love God. They don't see the sovereignty of God. Those of us that see the sovereignty of God, as Daniel saw the sovereignty of God, he had peace in the lines then. He was worried about the lines because God had a job for him to do and he couldn't die before his time. Jesus Christ knew he couldn't die before his time because God had given him a job to do. That's why he says you have eternal life. Once your mind locks in and you start believing that and seeing the sovereign of God, nothing can harm you. That's why I say he who believes, these signs will follow those who believe. That they will pick up and they will handle deadly things no harm no harm will come to them because harm is not part of that reality. your mind makes it real that 's why they have psychosomatic sickness is because you start to believe this psychology of what 's wrong with you through man 's philosophies and the things of man. All things were created in Christ means that all things were created in the power of what Christ is and all creation bears the characteristics of his intrinsic power. It is sometimes a disconcerting truth for many Christians that even though we belong to God through faith in Christ, how do we belong to God? Through faith in Christ. We still seem to experience the same problems that plagued us before we were saved. How how is that happening? So that becomes a problem then. Because a lot of people don't realize that sicknesses will come. Mm, yes. Being a Christian doesn't change all of those things for some of us. And that's why the book of Job was written. that That's a point that that's, will be argued from here to there. But we have to come, there's some that's going to come beyond that, go, go, go comprehend that, that the light of dawn on them. We often become discouraged and bogged down in the life's cares and the things of life when our relatives are failing and different things around us are happening. But it says, don't be the ones where that seed growing up in the tears of this life choke the word out of you and you become unfruitful. See, sometimes helping others is a problem. Sometimes you have to let happen what's going to happen. Hmm. That personal thing you're trying to help out of the ditch has to be in the ditch. And that's the nature. That's the sovereignty of God. Hmm. That's behind you. Yes. Yes. You know, so you have to, it's a whole lot of Hmm. learning the will of God and understanding the will of God and still have a compassionate way. Hmm. The fact that both the Old and New Testaments address this problem the same way indicates that God knows problems and worries are inevitable in this life. But how we address those inevitabilities is what's pregnant. How do we address those things in a sovereign life and still go on? That's what makes man who he is. That's why doctors, can you imagine... Oncologists and things that see so much cancer and so much dying come to accept life, but clearly you're passionate and try to pull some through, try to make some comfortable. And they say, well, we're going to have to transfer you to a hospice center or something to keep you comfortable and everything. But they know there's going to be pain and suffering in this life. Mm, We know that there's going to be death in this life. We know that there's going to be some that's in poverty in this life. But what about those people in religion? So, well, if you're a religious person, why don't you just go in the hospital and heal everybody? That's not the way God has this design now. A lot of people say, well, you're so wealthy. Why don't you feed all the people and do all this? Uh, what did Jesus say? Well, the poor you'll have with you always. That's a lesson that's being learned here. Thankfully, he has given the same solution he gave in both Psalms to Peter. That same solution is in the Old Testament and New Testament. In the book of Psalms and in Peter's letter, it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. That's a generality, because the righteous do fall. But that's a generality. Cast your cares on him, and he sustains you. Cast, that's Psalms 55 and 22. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Because we know caring and worrying is sins. Right? right. He says, see that you be not worried. Anxiety and everything, but remember I said he's making a cake here. He's making saints here. He's making people, and we all have different gifts. We're all at different levels. We're all not the same. Some people can not let things worry or, 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 or put them all discombobulated out of the picture. But some be able to steady the wheel, keep the wheel steady. Yes. The, the world was so discombobulated, the nation was so out of whack. Under our last president, but notice that God has a man that made eighty years old the other day. That that's helped steadying the world. Mm. You know, we need the elders of the church. We need the old people. Old people have have more. They're temperate and grave because they've seen things before, and they know things. So that's why the young people and the old people that he wrote to in the book of John. You need one another. You need that wisdom from the old hands. Yes. So that don't give all old people a chance to say, look, you got deluded. Because you got a lot of old fools out there. <laughs> don't forget, you got a lot of old fools out there. Like I say, these are generalizations. Just because you got gray hair, that don't mean you got good sense. Contained with these two verses are several amazing truths. God will sustain us. He will never let us fall, and he cares for us. Now, taking one at a time, we f- see first that God declares both his ability and his willingness to be strength and support mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You remember the man asked Jesus, he says that he could heal him if he wanted, and Jesus says, I will be healed. But in some, he don't. So God is sovereign. He can do those things. So we have to know this according to the will of God. And that's how God asks us to receive things, is praying to him and acting in the name of Jesus, acting according to his will. So the understanding comes through knowing the will of God. He is able and best of all, willing to take everything that threatens to overwhelm us and use it for our benefit. So, generally with the church and God's people, he does these things. He has promised to work all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, even at times when we doubt him, he is still working for our good and his glory. Even when we doubt him, sometimes these things don't come to pass right. Remember, he had gave, given Samson a job to do. Yes. And Samson was the most disobedient. He loved to chase a scrape. He was a womanizer. But that brought about his death. But in his death, when he committed suicide, and a lot of people don't like to hear that, he did commit suicide. He asked God to help him do this. He said, give me the strength this one last time to avenge myself on my enemies. When he pushed those buildings down on himself, when he pushed that temple of Dagon down on himself and kill all the Philistines, he killed more of them than he ever did in his life. But his life ended because of his disobedience. That's the consequences of what he did. He was bald-headed and blind. The woman cut his hair and everything, gave him a bald head, and they put his eyes out. That was because of his disobedience. You see, so sometimes God pulls the righteous or the good through or his called people through. But the consequences of our transgressions, you remember David, he lived and he got old in some of the things. But he told David the sword would never leave his house. There was always disappointments in his life. His children was killing one another or whatever because into our lives We holler prayer changes things, but does it really or does it align us with God to start seeing things from God's perspective and God's way of life to bring us in line with him and to start desiring and asking those things of God that we should be asking, the way we should be living. Because God is immutable. He changes not. He doesn't change not. Uh, he, and he has also promised that he will allow no trial to be so great that we cannot bury it in the power of Jesus Christ, and he will provide a means, a way of escape. Sometimes that way of escape is death, that way of life. He takes of many a young people. Just because you're young and die doesn't mean that you wasn't in Christ. He took Enoch away. He was translated. He was taken away from the situation. Sometimes God moves us out of a horrible situation, and sometimes that way is death. We hadn't grown to where we could become victorious in that. But instead of we wasting away and becoming a drug addict away from God or whatever, I have a thing I was looking at when I was studying this about moral sin and venial sins in the Catholic churches. There are certain sins if we sin or whatever, and that's forgiveness. We know God has forgiveness for all sin. Yes. But some people don't realize that it may cause your family to be destroyed even though God forgives. Yes. It may cause divorce. It may cause a whole lot of things to happen to you in your latter life. Though God's forgiven, the burden of those sins, the cost of those sins... The consequences of those sins are there. So in God's sovereignty, he is ruling and reigning that all all comes to him. Yes. Yes. And by this means, he means that he will not let us fall as he promised in Psalm 55 and 22. That we don't fall completely away from God. That's, Like I said, I don't have that goes along with the negation. When I tell you sin is a negation. In venial sins, in the Catholic Church, they teach of those sins that are venial sins. Those sins that does don't take us away from God, salvation in God. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They lied. They loved that money. You know, a lot of people love money and say they go give, they go tie this and everything. It was a lady in actual life that won the lottery. And she had promised to give a certain amount. And her and the preacher went to court. He started suing her because he said he had counted. How did you count on money that she hadn't won yet or whatever? But she won the lottery and got 60 or 70 million. And he was at the church is cut out of there. And he had went and spent a whole lot of stuff. They went to court and everything on this thing. But Ananias and Sapphira, you remember? They was trying to do like Barnabas, Barnabas had sold his possessions and gave it to laid it at the apostles' feet. Well Ananias and Sapphira had this plot of land they were selling. Well normally, you know, what a plot of land sells for in certain areas people know about what that sells for. Mm-hmm. Well they had this plot of land, say if they was gonna sell it for ten thousand dollars, they was gonna give the church what thousand dollars? That's the tides off of ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Okay, so but some way or another, somebody come along instead of giving them ten thousand, they give them thirty thousand for it. Mm. So him and Sapphire, hey, man, let's give the church a thousand. They think this is about what it is, and we pocket all of the rest of this instead of three thousand. And when Peter asked him, he said, "Well, look, uh, did you sell it for a certain certain amount?" He said, well, you hadn't lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. You've lied to the Spirit. So I don't know whether a lot, you know, this is scholars and people debate this, whether God, when God killed them, that didn't stop them from being children of God or being saved, right? right? That didn't give them away from God. But that showed they hadn't grown in the area of finances or whatever. And that they was dead. That was the end of them. Yes. Yes. Now they will have eternal life. So he says a many are sleeping. So that's where we're getting into something. And like I said, now I didn't spend five or ten minutes on just that. But that's a pretty big category there of venial sins. And it's not just money. It's everything else or whatever. Oh, yes. But in God's sovereignty, that's why I say, that's why he says forsake not the to assembling together yourself. Teaching and thing, you'll see the depths of God. You can't plumb the depths of God, but you start learning other things. That's why they say the elders or whatever, because the older, you are, the more you know of God, the more you can instruct and tell others what you've seen and, and became. The third statement, He cares for us. Uh, he cares for you. Gives us the motivation behind His other promises. Now, our God is not cold or unfeeling, neither is he a capricious God that just acts in any kind of way. He has feelings and care for you. But who are we talking about? Jesus Christ, you're right. That's our God because God doesn't have feelings, you know. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. God can't feel. Jesus Christ can feel. You know, he, he, he has the feelings of our infirmity. That's why he was created a man. You see, because nothing hurts God. You you think you could hurt God's feelings way he's gonna cry or something? You think you have any that's why I say it's not a battle that he's in with Satan and Satan wins something and he loses something. No, God is all powerful. You know, it's like a gnat a biting an elephant or something, a lesser net because he can't feel things. You can't hurt God. You can't break God's freedom. You can't disappoint God. You can't do anything. God is sovereign. Nothing takes away or gives God. God is not dependent. What does that sovereign mean? He's autonomous. He's independent of everything. Yes. Amen. Our God is a loving father whose heart is tender toward his children. Now, who We're talking about Jesus Christ. Because we've seen where Jesus Christ had the ability at the tomb of Lazarus, what it says, and Jesus wept. Yeah. Every, all the young people know that's the shortest sentence in the Bible, yes, Jesus wept. Yes, so he showed compassion a God with compassion, but he was weeping because of their condition. He wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead. He was showing us that we mourn with those that mourn. He felt sorry for their spiritual condition. He said he will live again. She says, I know you live in the resurrection. He says, but I am the resurrection. In other words, if you're trusting and hoping in me, because they were scolding him for not being, they said, if he, wasn't, if he was here, our brother wouldn't have died. But he's there weeping. Well, Would he be weeping if he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead? He wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead. As a matter of fact, when he got ready to go back to where Lazarus was, he told his disciples, we go back to Lazarus, Lazarus sleeping. And then he had to tell her, well, no, Lazarus is dead. He says, and I'm glad he did. Because that's to show the glory of God. That's why he stayed away. Because everything he did was to glorify God. So his weeping would show up God with the vulnerabilities, uh, with the things of all of us. Because... When the storm was coming, they, they came and shook him and said, look, you don't care that we perish in the boat sinking and you are here asleep? That's like Jonah. You remember Jonah was hiding and sleeping in the boat coming? In the, and they say, look, you sleeping in the boat sinking? He says, oh, ye of little faith. Yes. So he was tired. He was getting some rest. Yep. And he rose up and rebuked the wind because He knew he was serving a sovereign God. His father was in charge. Mm -hmm. Nothing could happen to him. Right? Mm -hmm. No man coming unto me lest the father had sent him. When he asked Judas, whence comest thou? God had sent him. God, Jesus is all knowing. He serves a sovereign God. He was the chief (laughs) apostle. He came to do the will of God. Mm -hmm. That's why he came. Jesus reminds us that just as an earthly father would not deny his children bread, so God has promised to give us good gifts when we ask Him, according to Matthew seven eleven. That's why I say prayer is designated as a way of getting from God, but not as some center in the sky that just gives and gives. It's certain stipulations and conditions that we feel to ask what we will of him and he gives him we know we have that petition through faith because we keep his commandments now in the spirit of asking for good gifts first we must pray and tell the lord that we hear what he's saying in john 16 and 33 where jesus says these things have spoken to you that in me you may have peace remember i said we have peace as daniel was in the lion's den There's a resignation and a peace in God. I don't know if we've arrived there today because I'm just halfway and we're at the end of this for the day. So we'll make a second part of this on God's sovereignty because we're going into idols after this in chapter 46. But in the world, he says, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Then we should ask the Lord to show us how he has overcome the world. If he tells us to be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. We should ask, well, how did you do this so we can do it? That's why he came as a man. You remember I told you people say to God, man, hold on now. We're doing something we shouldn't do. If you celebrated his birth as a man, we see that he did come as a man. So all of these things he's doing as a man, that's why it showed him weeping. That's why it showed him sleeping. You remember he was hungry and he asked him about bread and he asked him about eating and showed him thirsty. So as a man, he was dependent upon God. And as men, we're dependent upon Jesus Christ. So we ask, how did you overcome as a man? Our problems... How do we overcome our problems, our worry, our anger, our fears, and our guilt? How do we overcome? If you overcame, show us how you did it That's why he was our example yes, yes. he was our example, the spiritual Adam, to show us how to fully trust and depend on God. All things are indebted to for their existence to continuous sustaining action of God exercised through the Son. We all owe it to him of how to be sustained through him. He is the bread of life, that bread of life that cometh down, that sustains us all. We have to look to Jesus. That's why I say, whether Jehovah Witnesses and other religions, Buddha and all of these, Islam, that look to someone else, we can only look to the author and the finisher of our faith, the sustainer of our faith. That is Jesus Christ. We have our being and our existence. Nothing exists of its own inherent power of being. Nothing can exist of its own inherent power of being. The Lord reveals to us through his word, the Bible, that we can be of good cheer and that we can. We can be of good cheer. Actually, this is right because he gives us that cheer. He gives us a joy no man can take away and he gives us peace. And that he said, you have no bread. you remember, he me fed him. There's no use in them being sorry and dejected and cast down and having anxieties and fear. Nothing in all creation stands or acts independently of God's will, of the Lord's will. All of it is inside God. Nothing outside of God. It's all within. That's why he says he create good. He create evil. Job says, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. Nothing acts outside of God. The so-called laws laws of nature are nothing more than the physical expression of the steady wheels of Christ. The law of gravity. He could suspend that law of gravity. You remember Satan says, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. Yeah. Well, he was quoting the scriptures out of the Psalms that... God would protect thee unless you dash your foot against a stone. He was quoting that scripture, but Jesus says it is also written, thou should not tempt the Lord thy God. Yes. But he did suspend the laws of gravity. You remember I say he rose up and he rebuked the wind and he says, peace be still. Yep. You remember doing that same tempest in a different storm that he got out and he walked on water and he allowed Peter to walk on water. Yes. Remember I told you sin is a negation. It's a negative, it's, it's not, it's a corruption of what is evil, I mean good. Yes, yes, That's what yes, yes. cancer is, it's a corruption, it's a dying of the cells. He can reverse those laws. That's why he can heal the blind. That's why by his stripes we are healed. That's why he gives us eternal life because he reverses the corruption of death. Death, he says, the incorruptible, Right? So the corruptible, which is humankind, which is man, yeah. flesh and blood, we cannot hear the kingdom of God. He says the corruptible will put on incorruptible, yeah. but that's a physical—that's our bodies, right. right? There's an earthly body and there's a spiritual body. But he says the immortal will put on—I mean, the mortal will put on immortality. In other words, those of the negation that doesn't believe on Jesus Christ are. Mortal, they will die. But those of us that trust and believe in Him and that are Him, we will be immortal, we be everlasting life because He's the sustainer of life and the giver of life. Because this negation, death, which doesn't exist. The devil brought sin and death into the world. Death came by this one man, Adam. So it passed on to all men. But life and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth, life, everything. The good things came in Jesus Christ. So he's the giver of life. He's the sustainer of life. He was able to reverse the negation of death with Lazarus. He resurrected him from the dead. In other words, the corruption, the grave, the worm, eat it up that which is corrupt. But that which is life, everlasting life, Christ gives that in the sustain of life. That's why he says the tree of life. He is that tree of life in the midst of the garden. He gave it that life. So Christ is life and life everlasting. So we have to see the sovereignty of God in Christ in that God had given him a name above every name. Now, like I said, I'm only halfway. We're going to have to make a second part of this because the sovereignty, if we can catch hold if we're children of God born again, if we could cry out, a father and we see start seeing the sovereignty of God, each day is a good day. Mm-hmm. People yes. that saying it's raining on a nasty day or whatever, this is a blessed day. Mm-hmm. This really is a good day. We need this. He sends rain up on the earth. He sends all of these things through so the chaos that's going on when the all things is working together for good. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God, we ask. Act-